0: The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give.
1: You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series Doctor Who. Today we're discussing Cataclysm, the second part of this big finish ninth Doctor adventure. I'm Father Cory Stika taking over for Dom Bettenelli this week, and joining me today is Jimmy Aiken. How's it going, Jimmy? Howdy, Father Cory. Before we get started, I'd like to encourage you to get your very own Secrets of Doctor Who t-shirt or phone case or more by visiting sqpn.com slash merch. Also, another show here on SQPN you might like is The Catholics of Oz, which you can find at sqpn.com.oz, that's O-Z, or as they would say in Australia, O-Z. You can listen to that show there at sqpn.com. So today we are talking about uh, Cataclysm, which is the second part of this three-part serial from Big Finish. It's the new Big Finish Ninth Doctor Adventures. Jimmy, would you like to give us a recap? The
0: last time, the Ninth Doctor was caught in the gravity well of a neutron star, and it was filled with monsters known as Ravagers that will eat all matter in the universe through time eddies. The Doctor manages to escape by plunging the TARDIS into a time eddy. He then tracks down and rescues temporary companion Nova from having her brain wiped on an unknown planet ruled by flying drones. He and Nova then go through another time, eddy to find Audrey, the CEO of the game-addicted Sphere of Freedom, but they arrive too late. The Ravagers have gone out of control, and the universe and time itself will forever be destroyed in five seconds. Audrey says this is the Doctor's fault, and she was trying to stop this from happening, but at an earlier point in time, the Doctor set the Cataclysm in motion. The Doctor and Nova then go back in time to try to find a way to stop it and they encounter a younger version of Audrey on the planet Tarlicia. Young Audrey is just a technician scientist, but she's found a Gallifreyan control node, which is a device that can be turned into a weapon. And the president of Tarlicia orders her to use it to save their planet from the ravagers who are menacing it in the current time zone. Meanwhile, the doctor and Nova develop a plan to stop the cataclysm that will destroy all of time, They need to get a bunch of the drones that wanted to brainwipe Nova and then use them to track down all the time particles that are currently filling the vortex with Ravagers and Time Eddies. The doctor appears as a mental hologram to Audrey, who is in the process of using the Gallifreyan node to attack the Ravagers. She blasts them with temporal energy to de-evolve them, but they just absorb the temporal energy, and the doctor says that this was the moment. That everything went cataclysmically wrong. The end.
1: Oh, very good. Now it's, it's interesting. Uh, we've got three major characters other than the Doctor who are, I guess, you can call them kind of companions. One of them, Nova, does is a technical companion. But then we've got Lieutenant Faraday and Captain Halloran who literally show up for about thirty seconds total. Uh, yeah. Faraday's up in the future. He's in the future in this battle battle center, fighting with robots and. I kind of had to chuckle because he figures out a weakness of the robot is the flashing eyes, which if you've ever played any of the old 8-bit video games, especially like Contra or something like that, the flashing thing was your key of that's where you hit. Oh, so, really? Yeah. It, it's so like, uh, uh, like I said, you know, so a lot of the old video games, Legend of Zelda, some of the other ones that you, you, you hit the point that of weakness that would flash at you. So I wonder if that was kind of a callback to that. Uh huh. Um, so, so he's becoming victorious in this, this battle arena, but that really is all we see of him. And then Halloran is back in 1959 still fighting the, the Roman soldiers throughout the streets of London.
0: Although, now since the doctor's not there, they, there's no automatic translation between English and Latin. So you've yep. got Dan Starkey shouting in Latin. Yep,
1: exactly. It, kind of in the background. But yeah, it's you. so. And that's. I, I have a feeling they're going to be more important in the third part of this episode. Yeah, but
0: I, I, it's been a long time since I listened to this you know set of stories originally because i heard them when they first came out and yeah. it's been a long time but i my memory is that yeah both that halloran and uh faraday who are both british military officers from the 1950s that they they play a bigger role than what we've heard the last episode and certainly
1: bigger than this episode so yeah expect more of them next episode right. yeah so that that kind of explains why they like i said they got their little snippets in there just so, yeah they're still out there they're yeah, somewhere just so, but they're still just out there
0: so, just so you don't forget, yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. But of course, we open with Nova, who she shows up on this planet with, you know, this beautiful, lush green planet, and there's a drone that wants to correct her. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, she's thinking a little too much for her own because uh, the people there are just basically used to make fuel. They're they're well, they're the corn of this labor. planet in slave slave labor. labor yeah. Slave
0: labor first, so they they get slave labor. They mentally pacify you so you do what you're told and I, I guess don't mind. And then when they when when it's no longer convenient to get slave labor out of you, they use you as biofuel.
1: Yeah, it, it basically sounds like the this is not an uncommon thing for people to actually start thinking for themselves. And so the drones are there to do their correction, uh, basically sucking out any rational thought of your own. Yeah, independent yeah. thought. Independent thought.
0: And and they also are concerned about particles that they are detecting in Nova because initially they're thinking they're she, when she resists having the brain wipe to pacify mm-hmm. her she they they're thinking okay we'll we'll just catch her then and turn her into fuel but they notice she's got some particles in her that apparently would spoil the fuel mm-hmm. and and those turn out to be these mutated time particles and so that's the fact that drones are able to detect and interact with these mutated time particles becomes central later on to the plan to how to get rid of them
1: right exactly exactly so and of course the doctor helps out with that later but the doctor at this point he's still in the neutron star that you know thinks is gonna that he's that he found the uh, the uh, beings the the creature ravagers the ravagers yeah. flying around and he, he thinks that they're just a computer simulation at first at first but realizes no they're they're real after all um and ends up escaping through a time eddy to the battle of waterloo in 1815 except it's now been rewritten
0: because yep. even though it's it's just after the moment where the where napoleon has lost although people don't realize that yet um all of a sudden, 1952 Soviet battle tanks show up on the field and it's like, wait, 1952 battle t- tanks should not be in
1: 1815. Yeah. Is- and so this is obviously more of the work of the time eddies. Correct. It, it, and it's Audrey who somehow has figured out how to communicate with the doctor through the TARDIS's communication circuits and is, he, uh, he's able to, they're able to talk and, and, He gives her a hard time about it. You know, he chides her for you know creating this massacre, uh, and she just kind of says, "Well, it's all the same. They that's human history." Well,
0: and even she broadens it beyond humans and talks
1: about how other life forms too just kill each other all the time, right? And then, and then even gives gives the doctor a bit of grief back about calling you know hypocrite for going through time and in his meddling, which makes the doctor wonder: Do they know each other, or does she at least know him from somewhere?
0: Yeah, and there's been a couple of, at least a couple of things that have tripped his suspicions. One is the fact that she can talk to him through the Vortex,
1: mm-hmm. uh, and,
0: you know, because most people don't have any access to the Vortex, much less can they send a communication signal through it to the TARDIS. Right. And she talks, she's been talking like she knows him, and so mm-hmm. he's suspecting that they met in the past, but he doesn't remember her. And for a while, it kind of seems like maybe she's going to turn out to be a time lord. Mm-hmm. Maybe she's going to turn out to be, you know, Missy or or Romana or the Rani or someone like that. Right. But um but no, she's just a human from the planet Tarlicia who's got a Gallifreyan control node, and-, and that's that's what's allowing her to to do the things like vortex phone calls. Yeah. And it's um he has met her before. He just hasn't met her yet. Correct. So in his future, he meets a younger version of
1: her, which we then see in this episode. And that's how she got to know him. Right. The, the, the doctor is kind of disturbed because he realizes that he has crossed or she tells him that she that he has crossed his own timeline. And that's how she knows him. And so, he, you know, of course, that that brings all kinds of concerns about problems for the universe and all that and wonders why the TARDIS didn't stop it. Well, because the time eddies took him there,
0: right. yeah I thought that was nice that because normally we never see the doctor showing up at, at events in the wrong order, even when he has to duck away from him for a minute. He comes back in the right sequence. Mm-hmm. And they explain in this that that's because the tardis is programmed to keep him from crossing his own timeline, so it keeps him visiting the same time period in the correct order. But in this case, they didn't use the Tardis's time travel abilities. They went through a time eddy, and so the Tardis's whatever they call it buffers, safety mm-hmm. buffers are are not are not affecting the situation. So he arrived out of sequence.
1: Right. Now, if, if I'm not mistaken, that that is from Classic Who that the Tardis had some kind of way to prevent crossing timelines, and, and then of course you know you have the Doctor Who the the five Doctor specials and things like that where it happens anyways. But I thought that was kind of a part of Classic Who. Well,
0: they in Classic Who, they definitely say you shouldn't cross your timeline. I don't recall them saying the TARDIS prevents it automatically, but they may have, they, there may be a line like that in there somewhere that I just don't remember.
1: Yeah, it's, I thought I remember hearing something like that, and maybe it's just uh, one of those things that you, you read out off of canon and it gets stuck mm-hmm. in your mind. So,
0: By the way, speaking of this kind of timey wimeyness, um, so last episode, we had a kind of timey-wimey structure to the plot. Mm-hmm. In that it, we had a framing narrative, and then the rest of the story was told in flashbacks that right. walked forward in time. This time, it's a linear forward narrative, largely from the Doctor's perspective, with occasional mm-hmm. cutaways to companions. So this time we don't have a, we don't have a timey wimey story structure. But we do still have some some time travel that's relevant to the plot in that the doctor is meeting Audrey out of sequence now, mm-hmm. but
1: the story is not out of sequence right and and Nova is picked up fairly quickly because the doctor gets gets to the point you know is able to track her via through time via her DNA and uh goes and picks her up from from the sonic
0: yeah yep. And then there's a kind of interesting thing when they go to find Audrey through he uses the same technique to find Audrey and then duck through the right time eddy to get to her using her DNA because she patted the TARDIS mm-hmm. in the previous episode and apparently the TARDIS will suck up your DNA if you touch it. Yes. So, <laughs> is so uh so that's how the TARDIS got her DNA all she had to do was touch it.
1: I was going to say he must have learned it from the the Dalek in in the first uh Ninth Doctor Dalek episode, but that was after this. So, uh, it's a trick mm-hmm. that maybe the Dalek learned from the TARDIS. Who knows? Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's, that's kind of an interesting effect, you know, being able to read the DNA traces off of the, the time eddies and use that to, to find the different people. So, uh, yeah. So after he picks up Nova and escapes from that planet, they head back to the Central Arc to try to, try to stop. Oh, yeah audrey freedom yeah yeah spear freedom um try to stop audrey but of course by this point it's too late um he's because he's arrived in the wrong order it's causing him to cross his timelines and now the universe is gonna go boom in five four three
0: yeah i like it when he realizes the universe has five seconds to live and it's like nova tardis now yeah there's <laughs> no explanation just get in there <laughs> and and then the the idea is they're going to somehow ride the shock wave of time's destruction backwards in time to the point of its origin and fix the problem there right. and that's what gets them to the planet tarlicia and the young audrey by the way one other bit of timey wimeyness in this that i like is the gallifreyan control node mm-hmm. is appearing twice because the doctor has an older version of the node and Audrey, young Audrey has an earlier version of the same node. Right. So, and the two, the two phases of the node, when they're in proximity to each other, interact in with each other and, and which is significant to the story. But I like how we have the same node at two different points in its own history in the story. Mm -hmm. And at one point, Nova says, Well, why can't you just reprogram this node so the disaster doesn't happen? And the doctor is like, Well, I could, but it wouldn't matter because I've got the older node right. after the disaster is caused. We need the younger node to do that. Correct.
1: Yeah. And in this, this node that he picks up from the central arc right before they have to escape it. Um, and so that's how he figures out that this connection. Because when he, when they get to the planet and they run into the, the younger Audrey, the two nodes interact with each other, and it actually it actually kind of whammies the doctor a little bit.
0: Yeah, he starts to kind of get confused and like like he's in the process of fainting or something. Mm-hmm. And then when when the other node has some distance, he comes back to normal. And that's kind of a hint that this is Gallifreyan technology, right? Young Audrey also says that they found it at in space somewhere as a um. In like the remnant of an some ancient explosion, mm-hmm. and they don't really say what they haven't said at least yet what that explosion involved. But the doctor says that it, like this technology should never have
1: existed, and to me that sounded like a hint. This is left over from the time war, right? And I, I think that's kind of what they were they were pointing at that this ancient explosion was Gallifrey, and this was debris that was thrown off from the the planet. Uh, but Audrey is uh, going to the The president of the of Tarlicia to um warn him about the ravage warn her about the Ravagers it sounds like she's been a kind of a constant one of the you know crackpot scientists that got proved true about the existence of these Ravagers and that she has a plan to uh destroy them she thinks destroy them before it's too late but of course it doesn't quite work that way.
0: Yeah, as you can, I mean, with the doctor telling us this technology should never have existed. Well, using it's not going to be the solution to the problem we've all seen in other time zones. Yeah. Um, and it's still not fully clear to me how they, why she's blaming the doctor for this. Um, right. I suppose it's because the doctor has realizes that this has already happened and he's not at least. It, it You could kind of question this, but it seems like he concludes that she's that she's already done this or is fated to do this or will not listen to him. And mm-hmm. so he kind of sits back and says, you're going to do what you're going to do. I'm not going to try to talk you out of it. Right. And she then uses it. And instead of de-evolving the Ravagers just abs- who absorb energy, they just absorb the time energy she's fired at them. Mm-hmm. And so I guess that's why she's blaming the doctor, because he didn't, he because he sat back and didn't try to talk her out of it when
1: he had concluded that she wouldn't listen for whatever reason. Right, exactly. Um, and, and it's interesting, we start seeing the doctor and Nova get arrested for for, for coming at Audrey, and we're meeting up with Audrey. and when she uh, was meeting with the president. When she was on the way to meet with the president. And the doctor starts having these psychic connections with her where she mm-hmm. starts hallucinating him basically and they're yeah, able that, to, to communicate the mental and,
0: hologram I mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's psychic connection.
1: Yeah. And, and at the end he says, make the mistakes you're going to make, you know, basically just keep going and he's going to figure out some other way. And that other way that, uh, he figures out is to use the drones. As you mentioned, the drones pick up the time particles in Nova's head. And so. Um, so figures out that they can go and if they get enough of the drones that they can send the drones out to basically vacuum up all the time particles before it causes the problem.
0: Right, and they need to go back in time to do that when the drone, when the time particles aren't infesting everything. It's like
1: when they're first released, we need to catch them with the drones. Right. Exactly. So, and that's where we where we leave off uh, is Audrey activates the device, the Ravagers absorb the temporal energy, and the doctor goes to grab the uh, grab the, the 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 drones flying the flying drones to catch the time particles
0: the node is emitting yep. yeah exactly got a lot of technological devices
1: running around here exactly exactly so is there anything else on this one no you've got, Jim? i
0: i think it's uh, i think it's an interesting story um i liked hearing and back when i first listened to it i really liked hearing christopher eccleston back as the ninth doctor because mm-hmm. he feels like the ninth doctor it feels like he's back um but the story is one that i think it is not my favorite big finish story i tend to prefer the more self-contained ones right where they they give you a whole story in an hour and yeah, there's some continuing thread that they use to pay off in the final story of the set. Um, this is much more connected. It's much more like three acts of one big story. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it's 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 okay. Um, I think it's a little confusing to listen to it at points. Like in this episode, we have just these very brief encounters with Faraday and Halloran. And there wasn't a lot of them in the first part. And so you've got to remember who they are. And yes, it's just a memory jogger in this episode, but nobody like calls them by their names. Mm -hmm. And because they're they at least with uh, Halloran, nobody calls him by his name because he's in this robot arena in the future. Correct. And so there's no one there who knows his name to call him by his name. He's just Mm -hmm. the guy fighting the robot down in the arena right now and you've kind of got a oh yeah i remember this guy but it you don't have the audio reinforcement of two characters talking to i mean he's he's kind of talking to a robot that doesn't really talk back right and so you don't have the exchange of information to re-identify and oh yeah i remember when Halloran, you were brought here to this robot arena, and you know there's nothing like that to to explicitly remind you of what's going on. So I think it can be a little hard to follow for some of these bits, but the overall thrust of the story is something that you you do follow. And how I regard um, the set on this re-listen will depend on. How well they pull everything off next episode. Right. Um, if they, if they give us a good satisfying finish, I will be happy. If it's still a little thin, mm. then I'll, it'll be okay, but I won't be as happy as if they really give us a good ending.
1: Right. No, I, I agree with you. And I, I mean, I, I kind of like the idea of them doing a, like a three part story, but it was just, it was kind of an unexpected that it was a three-part story. We, we kind of went into it thinking this was a standalone. It's like, oh, yeah, this was actually, you know, part one of three. And then, of course, now we're in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of like the, the fact that they're willing to do both, both, you know, a three-parter and, you know, three separate stories that have an overarching arching, uh, plot line. So that's, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, it, it, it really shows that they're they're willing to try many different things as they do these these serials. And that's kind of the fun of listening to them. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Well, very good. So before we conclude, we have some listener feedback uh, from our recent episode on Deep Breath. Uh huh. Tammy LML on YouTube says, great episode, guys. I loved revisiting Deep Breath with y'all and really wanted to go back and rewatch it myself. Just one little flaw for me. I really wish this had come with a spoiler warning for Picard. I know it isn't a brand new show, but not all of us have been able to watch it yet. Otherwise, really enjoyed this, especially the intro and outro with Missy.
0: Yeah, I I I I really love the the Missy sets that they've done, and so I had that in mind before we did this. As I, it would be fun if we started with our initial audio from the first episode we did of Secrets of Doctor Who, and then have Missy interrupt it to get us back on track. Um, and then we use Missy again at the end, and it's Michelle Gomez's Missy is just so much fun, including in the big finish sets, and so. We used a teeny bit of audio for that. I'm glad you enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Missy's time in uh, in New Who is so short uh, yeah. on, on screen, so to have her on Big Finish is, is a lot of fun. And, and you know, with, with spoilers, and, you know, admittedly, I'm one of those that, you know, if it's a year old, at that point, you've had enough time. You know, I'm kind of surprised you haven't been spoiled by, by it for now. So, I, I you know, I, I'm not one of those that's like, it's brand new. It just came out, so I'm going to spoil you on it. I'm not going to tell you about season two, you know, but, you know. Uh, I'm 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 a little not as uh, generous with with spoiler warnings as maybe others are,
0: I guess. Well, and it depends. I mean, there are different sensibilities about that, and so it's unfortunately, you know, different people will have different preferences, and that's understandable.
1: So we understand mm-hmm. that. Oh yeah, yeah, hey, absolutely. I mean, it's it's not like I've I had someone who who was like, you know, Stargate SG One. You spoiled me on Stargate SG One. It's like it's a twenty year old series. I think it's, we're past that more now. More than twenty, years more old twenty, twenty-five point. year old series. I, I think we're past that now. So, no, I understand the concern too. So, but we we appreciate you listening and appreciate your your comments. Yeah, um, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including Michael C. Warren C. Matt B. Ricardo G. and Mary B. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows here at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Also, like to thank Victor Lambs, who edits this show every week. Jimmy? Well,
0: I just wanted to mention so this week, you and I are here, and Dom is not. And as he's noted, he has this whenever you say, How's it going? which is mm-hmm. your typical greeting. He has this inbuilt reflex to want to answer, you right. know, as if it's, as if it was a literal question. And this time you, you're hosting and you said to me, how's it going? And I just said, howdy, father Corey. And it was a perfectly natural interaction. Exactly. And so, so, so take that dom yeah we can we we can interact
1: naturally you don't have to answer the question literally (laughs) we give you a hard time because we love you but yeah (laughs) yeah so that's it from us what did you think of cataclysm let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com or the secrets of doctor who facebook page or send us an email to doctor who at sqpn.com we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing food fight the third part of this big finish ninth doctor adventure Till then, Jimmy Aiken, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of Doctor Who. Thanks, Father Corey, and once again, I'm Father Corey Stika. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, I never said I was nice.